Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, welcome Dave. back. Uh, Dave, I wiped off the stinking cobweb that's been for a little bit since we've been online because we've been so busy. I know you're growing a company. I'm growing our association. Growing I'm a beard. so excited of our guest today, Mandy. I haven't even met her yet. I can't wait to hear the first question. Who is she? Because she's going to talk about the resurgence of meetings and we're meeting in our own association. So exciting stuff today. Well, let me, let me tell you where I found Mandy. I found Mandy hiding under <laughs> rocks. No, Mandy is actually a sales coach, uh, Tom. And she's, uh, I, I interviewed her in a podcast I do for entrepreneurs, but, and, and I thought, man, she would be great to talk about conferences because uh, although her focus is on helping organizations, all kinds of organizations sell better and improve the customer uh, experience, uh, she's, she started her career working at Hard Rock Remember Elizabeth Baranek started at Hard Rock, yes, Hardillo yeah. now, and and uh, but she worked for Hard Rock. She worked for uh, Caesar's Entertainment, and so she was uh, her. The origins of Mandy's sales experience came from conferences, and I thought what what would be really cool is to have a conversation uh, as we're surging back. Right, and it's a surge, man. I can't tell you how many conferences I've been to in the past. I don't know, four or six weeks. We're, by the way, I think this is one of the few podcasts where I actually want to put a timeline on it. So right now it is uh, June 2nd and it, the, the second quarter of this year, we're right in the middle of the second quarter, has been chuck full. I don't even know what that means, chuck full, but I think it means heavy. Lots of conferences. Yes. Right? And so it's called pent up demand. <laughs> yes, it's That's called it false is. demand and compression. Yes. It's called Mandy, welcome. Hi, how are you? Thanks, Thanks for so having much me. For, thank, well, I, I really appreciate you, you joining us and offering some insight. Tell us, yeah. first of all, to answer Tom's question, what do you do? Yeah, tell well, us. I've been waiting forever. What is it you do, sense. Bob? The suspense is killing you, Tom. All right, I'll pull we'll be right out of back the on the show and tell you about me. No, go ahead. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Uh, no, so I'm Mandy Graziano. I actually, I am a third party meeting broker. So I help find hotels and venues all over the world for conferences, meetings, and events. And I work with association executives, executive director, chief marketing officers, sponsorship builders, meeting planners to help them find the best location for their conferences. And then we negotiate the contract for them, negotiate all the pricing, and then we turn it back over to the association to plan. And if they don't have a planner, then we have a team of planners that they can hire and work through them. So on the first part of my career, the first, I would say, gosh, 12 to 15 years, I was on the hotel side, booking and planning meetings all day, every day. And then for the last 12 years, I've been on the broker side, working with a whole bunch of different customers to book conferences all over the world. And yes, Dave, when you say there's pent up demand and meetings and conferences are back, I mean, the floodgates have opened and the avalanche yeah. <clears throat> is here. I mean, it is right. it's everything we've been waiting for. It's here. However, however, the attendance from with, with some exceptions, 
the attendance I've seen in, in anecdotally what I'm hearing at this point, again, this is where the timestamp is important. I usually yeah. refrain from timestamps in podcasts because somebody might listen to this a year from now, but that's mm -hmm. why it's so important because this is a time sensitive conversation. Now being Q2 of 2022 right now, uh, what I'm hearing is about two thirds of attendance of what, what used to come in 2019. It's about two thirds of what it used to be. I mean, talk to, is it, is people are just reserved? Like why aren't people back? You think it's just reservations about COVID right now? Is it budgets? Well, so I love the timestamp and that's important, right? Because right now on June 2nd, we're in the middle of a little bit of a COVID spike, right? So I would say three months or so ago, attendance was back almost at 80 to 100 percent. But right now we're at around 60 percent because of a little COVID spike. But I'll say this. It really depends on the association and the industry of the association. So I'll give you an example. I work with a couple of medical associations and one medical association where the hospitals used to send two to three to four people as attendees they learned that they don't, you know, maybe they don't want to send it. Maybe they don't have the budget to sending. So, so they're only sending one person. So, you know, that's a piece now where they used to send many people, they're sending one person. Um, people still do have some reservations about traveling. Not many. I mean, for the most part, people do want to be back, but I also think associations were so valuable and are still so strong through COVID, right? Cause it's where so many people went for information, but I think, there's a retool that sort of needs to happen in the association mindset of who are our attendees and is there a DNA change here and who are our exhibitors and is there a DNA change in the exhibitors to regain the footing on the attendance? Go, so go yeah. deeper on that. Can, can you like, I, I, it's yeah. interesting, but I'm not sure where you're going. Like in what way does the DNA of the attendee have to change or the or exhibitor. And, and I, I think I'm with you having yeah. gone to a few conferences this month. Yeah. Tell me more, go deeper on that thought. So programming, for example, right? In the past conference, breakfast, 7 to 8, 30 a.m. Conference, 8 a.m. to a certain time, a show opens, it's open for eight hours. People are on the floor for a really long time. People are clunky coming out of, we're like vampires, right? We're just creeping out of our houses, back into conference centers. And we're not used to this long concentrated in-person interaction. Like ultimately we want to be there, but our, our behaviors have changed, right? Like we want a little bit of a longer breakfast because some people might wanna work out in the morning and we might not be able to be in sessions for six hours, but we might be a little more captive three hours and we might not be able to sustain a 90 minute keynote, but a 45 minute keynote or three back-to-back -back 12 minute TED Talks can capture our attention. And I think that's a result of Zooming and not being in person and it it can be a little exhausting. So I think we got to graduate into it and we have to survey our attendees. Like, where are you at? What do you need? Because people have changed. People's lives have changed a lot since COVID. And we, as we come out, we've got to assess that. So let me follow up on that as someone yes. planning the meetings as well. So um, mm. one, I think somewhere around this conversation, we need to have a conversation on why third party planners 
I use two for different sets of meetings and I'm a big mm-hmm. believer and I want to share people why they should be using third party planners, period. Tom, hey, hold on, Tom. Mandy, you haven't met Tom. Tom is the executive director of Metal Treating Institute, and uh, he's also a keynote speaker at a lot of events um, as well. But so, Tom, whereas you know, I'm a, a, a software vendor for the association space. So, so that's the that's. I'm your potential client per se. That's the oh, difference. I, oh, I know Tom. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's. I think that's why Tom and I like to do this because we tend to bat ideas back and forth. We come at this from two different perspectives. But go on, Tom. Mm-hmm. So, so a couple things. Um, we started meeting back. We canceled our meetings in 2020, and in spring of January 2021. We jumped back into our meeting. So we've been going out of a year and a half and we were at uh, 60% of our attendance in spring of 21, 80% of our attendance in, in the fall. And this, this past spring in May, we were over a hundred, we were at a hundred percent of what our pre-pandemic uh, attendance was. So we've seen mm-hmm. it surge back and stay there. And we have our big trade show coming up, but we have at least 1800 people traditionally and it's going to be in Indianapolis in October. And we're pulling out all the stops. I am determined to have the same kind of attendance and show people it can be done. So we're, we're going we're gonna to roll that. But I think they've coming out of COVID. I think a couple of things are going on here. I think COVID made even the most outgoing person socially lazy. You Agreed. know me, man. I, I'm like a firecracker, man. I want to be in every crowd. And I even find myself going, like Manny said, stick your head in the door and see what's going on inside in, in a session and, and get in there. But you know, but I'm, I may not, I may not go out as much, you know, to, to certain things. So I think people have become, it, COVID taught people how they wanted to be home more. They reassessed their priorities. And so they really think hard. I actually think hard about, should I go to that meeting? What's the value there? Before, you know me, if I had the money and the meeting and there was a conference, I just went. Mm-hmm. And now it's a different story because COVID, I mean, think about it. You sat home for literally four to six months and were kind of strapped in. And now you're asked to go back out again. I think a lot of people are going through that mental process of they're trying to think, do I really need to go? And like Manny was saying, the hospitals thought, healthcare thought they needed to send four people. And now they can send one. And maybe if they have the recordings or do it on or live stream and they can get three online and do it. So I think the scope of how we do meetings is changing. But she said the, the, the key word, which leads into what you do as PropFuel is getting in your, your members' minds and finding out what is what is the value to you coming? Is it shorter content and longer networking? What is that? Because our, our meetings, we meet from eight to 12. And then our members have the entire second half of the day. This has been going on for 20 years, the entire second half of the day to go to the beach, sit at the pool bar. And what's funny is people think, oh, they have all that party time. It's not party time. If you go to any of our meetings and go sit down at the pool bar, you would see six people talking about what they just listened for three hours. And they're talking about how to implement it. But they're doing it in a refreshing way that helps them refresh their perspective because the experience is so nice. And guess what happens when we get to the dinner? Our members stay out to 10 or 10.30 networking at our dinners because they haven't been in class from nine to five. They've mm-hmm. had a half a day to rela- relax their mind, soak in what they learn. And now, and some of them might even take a short little cat nap and they're energized to come back out to dinners where a lot of us conferences you go to, like she said, breakfast, nine to five sessions, maybe a drink or two at the reception and a, and a little something to eat and go back at nine o'clock to the room or maybe even eight o'clock because you're wore out from the day. So Mandy, talk, talk to me about, so, so you're suggesting that associations go out and ask their members questions, of course, which is a, it's, that's the focus. I'm, I'm a big fan of asking questions, you know, that's what, that's yeah. what I do for living with PropFuel. Um, but what questions would you ask? Like, give us some ideas of what questions you might ask your members to help you shape, um, 
uh, your next conference? Obviously, yeah. it's too late for conferences that you're doing now or next quarter. But what about you know the conference for the fall or, or early next spring? Yeah, I mean, I think you'd be as bold as to give an A, B, or C sample agenda, you know, but make it simple and make it quick. Which agenda appeals to you most, right? Something simple like that and make it be a, a, a four-question four survey. Are you likely to come to the, as of today, are you likely to come to the conference is the first question. The other thing that we've noticed about attendees, and then building on your point, Tom, going back for a second, is for as many conferences as we've seen at 60, 70, 80%, there, I would say about 50% of them are at 120, 150 200% because people do want to get back. So on my end, I'm begging for more space. I'm begging for more rooms at the same rate. So it is. it really just depends on the industry and then within that industry. Um, so there's really no two that are alike right now. Um, but I do think a survey, surveying a sample with the sample agenda, asking, are you likely to come at this point? I also think a destination question is important because prior to COVID, I think a lot of associations might have thought, well, you know what? we really want to be in a downtown area so people can walk to bars and restaurants and dining and entertainment, or we really want to be at a beach. People that might have wanted to be in a city before might want to be at a remote resort. And people that were at a remote resort before, they now might want to be in a city. So I would even ask a destination question, like beach, you know, beach or city, something simple like that. Or will you bring your family or come along? That's the other thing. We've been seeing more associations that always just came alone. People are bringing their spouses now, people right. bring their family because people are remote workers now. So they have more travel flexibility. So well, I would ask who you bring in, where you want to go and a sample agenda would be my three things. Yeah, and I, I think if you've got a group, cause we've 70% of our members will bring a spouse or guest. And here's the key behind meetings. If you can get the spouses to connect, everybody talks about connecting the member. If you can get the spouses to connect effectively, you have the members hooked. Period. Because yes. the spouses are going, I'm, I want to go to the spring meeting and see Jamie. Because mm -hmm. we do we do one 90 minute networking event where we'll do like salsa and sangrias. And we have a person come in and teach the spouses how to make great salsa and great sangrias. And they love it for 90 minutes. Mimosas. And oh, I thought you meant dancing. Salsa no, 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 and, no, 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 no. and sangria. I, like, I was about to break out. Do, no, That's another stop. great mix, by the way, for the next one <laughs> right. is teach salsa, the dance, and sangria. That was sangria than the two, salsa dance. Two things. Yeah, so right. she, in the, or, two that, things. You got to have the right order there. Location <laughs> is important because many members use our two meetings a year as an extra time to take off a couple of days and enjoy where they get to learn a little bit. Uncle Sam pays for it, but they spend a great bit of quality time with their friends in the industry and their spouse or guests. And then the fact that you connect the, the spouses and your intention on that helps solidify. That's kind of the, the grout around the tile. You know, it holds it all together. So we try and do a really good job of giving the spouses something really fun to do together so they connect. Because once you connect the spouse, they're then, and then if you can promote your future events to them during those meetings, they're already looking forward. Hey, are we going to the fall meeting and, and you know, uh, but, but surveying and finding out what, like for me, Manny, what I would probably do is do a typical agenda we would have and ask the question, what would you like to see more of and less of Love looking it. at our normal agenda? And so, they'll say more networking, less time, whatever. So Mandy, I, I've got another question for you. Given what you've experienced, what you've seen so far, even if it's just a hunch, what have yeah. you seen people post-COVID complain about 
that have attended conferences and what have you seen them celebrate? What have you seen them walk away from and say, that was awesome? Like what um, works and what doesn't generally right now? Or is it's also fair to say, well, it's different all the time. It's different all the time, but I will say a common complaint I've seen, and, and I've done meetings actually through the bubble. So 2020, 21, 22. So I've some, got some good data, um, but people, not enough downtime is a complaint I've seen hmm. recently where I didn't necessarily see that before. People are very mindful of their time and how they're resting and spending we've, downtime. We've been they, softened, haven't we? We've been softened, but you know, people are now, maybe they didn't go back to their room and work before, but now that they are accustomed to working from home, downtime might mean being able to catch up on right. emails. So when you get back to the office, you're not slammed. Right. So um, not enough downtime is a, is a complaint I've seen. And then something that people, two things I've seen people really cheer about is the more you can create a family reunion experience, especially mm-hmm. that first meeting back or that second conference back. Well, however you can create that family reunion experience, people are cheering about that. Like it's great to reunite with my partners in the industry and my vendors and suppliers. Um, so however you can really maximize that experience. I think Tom touched on that with some spouse events and things like that, or giving just people time to do that. And, um, you know, looking at the other things people are cheering about is people want high energy speakers. It doesn't necessarily have to be the speaker with the, the saddest story or the biggest mountain they climb. People want to hear, like, it's, they want to be motivated to move forward. So right. what I've been hearing is it's people saying, oh, I saw this great speaker and I'm ready to move forward versus I saw this great speaker and what a great story and I'm inspired. It's people really want to hear a high energy, positive, enthusiastic speaker. And, and that speaker DNA has changed a little bit, I think, too. You know, okay. you know what, you know what, I actually, you know what, I've been reading a little bit around in some um, articles is people are questioning, does the 20,000 keynote really give you ROI? Mm. If you hired the $10,000 person and they gave an energized session with some practical takeaways that were motivating, would you still get the same attendance and save money to the association? Mm-hmm. I, I kind of think, yes, well, you know, I, yeah. we, we, can, we can spend 20 grand on occasions on one person. And when I look at it, we, we, this last meeting, we just spent only 12, but his stuff was very powerful and very practical and people loved it. You know, but, but there are yeah. associations that fall in love with wanting the Super Bowl champion or the, the, the general for the military or something for, you know, 2025K. But that's another big change I'm seeing going on is do we really need to spend the 20 grand to, does it actually bring more people to the, to the table? I agree. And, you know, something else I've seen in speaker trends, too, that just like you said, Tom, the practical nuggets, those takeaways, people want those now more than ever. Right. And um, utilizing local resources. So TikTok curators. And I know that sounds crazy, but in every market where there are meetings, you could have 20 to 25 great TikTok curators that you can bring on as an MC for the event, as a speaker, as somebody to introduce. And that gives your association some innovation but it also gives them some energy and a fresh face that they may not have seen before. So I would encourage, I know TikTok is scary and I know nobody's into it, but it's, it's worth looking at because it's budget friendly and it's a fresh face. And it shows that you put some thought into the actual speaker. We're on TikTok right now. Oh, (laughs) should we dance? Mandy, I have a huge question. My fingers up or something. I have a huge question for you. So I want to get into this whole third party thing. So, I mean, so a couple of things, we came out of COVID. 
we're at, we're at a labor shortage like we've never seen before, and it's not going anywhere. It's going to be with us for at least the next 10 years. Mm-hmm. So most associations are somewhere between two and 10 employees. Mm-hmm. And then you got the bigger ones that do bigger meetings. Talk a little bit about why the third. I, I know why, but I want to hear from you, and then I'll cooperate yeah. and tell you why we do it. But why, why the third party? What do they do for the small association that helps bring value to them in their meeting process? What do you mean the third party? Like what Mandy does? Like third yeah. party consultant that helps manage the meetings? No, well, like we don't, we have our own meetings department that manages the meeting, but we use a third party like her with Elizabeth and another, another lady that actually does the site. They do, let me give you an example. We want to host a meeting in San Diego. We're in Nashville. I need somebody that can scour San Diego and give me all the people that meet our requirements on a spreadsheet that I can look and shortlist. And then we go and do the site business, get back with them, and then they negotiate the contract for us. I don't have to worry about that. So they handle a lot of the, the, the select, the, um, the, the research and the contract, which takes a lot of time. So like a broker, is, is that yeah. fair to say? Yeah, that's fair. Right, yeah, Mandy. like a real estate agent, but for meetings. Um, but Tom, I, I'm going to I'm recording you, putting you on my shoulder and, take, and taking you everywhere because that's exactly what we do. And there is value in that now because association headcount has gone down, as you know, and we say using a third party planner to find you the hotel, we have been working all through COVID. And right now, hotels are short-staffed. And hotels have, you may have a contact at a hotel you adore and you love. They may have left the industry to go work for the assisted living industry or something. So third-party planners, third-party site selection companies, we have the relationships directly at the highest levels with the hotel companies, independent and big brands. But we also have deep relationships on property. So we can get you that information quickly. We know who's there and who isn't. We can turn availability reports around for you quickly. We can set those site inspections up for you. And as you know, just setting up a site inspection agenda, it takes forever, but we do that for you. So you don't have to, you just show up, walk around, look and and assess strategically, does this work? Bounce that back to us. Then when we negotiate it, we already have a ton of preferred terms in place, and then we'll use some of yours, whatever works best for you, and then turn it back over to you to plan. So from a time perspective, you focus on growing your membership, building attendees, you know, doing everything that you're doing as an association, and you let us worry about finding the right venue for you and negotiating it for you. So from a time perspective, it's big, but we're also deep relationships with the hotel suppliers as well. So we know who's there and who isn't. And that saves you a bunch of, you know, bounce back emails and things like that right now too. So, so here, here's, here, I want to speak to the association execs, my brethren out there listening to this, because this is so important, Dave. So during, after COVID, contractual language means everything, especially in cancellation, COVID clauses, force majeure. Most of the third parties have their own negotiated contracts with a lot of the hotels. So if I have an issue with the hotel, I'm one of a hundred clients. So I'm not very important to them. Mandy has got 20 clients coming to that brand. And so she's very important. So when she makes a call and wants to negotiate attrition or a contract, they pay much better attention to her because if they make her mad, they make her mad with 20 other clients that she represents. They make me mad. I'm just one guy, one person. So, so it's very, that's one of the key things about being involved with them is, is having that. But here's the other thing on the association manager side strategically it's getting more and more harder to convince, to, to throw value and value for our meetings at, at, at members. And we need to be spending more time with them communicating our value than spending time looking at contracts. Yes. So that so bringing on a third party is like having another employee who does the site, 
site planning, you do the site selection, you get the, a lot of people that go to these, that plan these meetings, David, on the association side, they think they lose their points that they get, their meeting points, and they think they don't get to do the sites. They, they enjoy going to yeah. those site selection visits to be at the hotel yeah. and do the thing. They don't lose any of that. You still get that. I do that I don't all want the time. your points, Tom. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we, we don't want your points. Yeah, but you, you just said you, a little yeah, thing. We're actually doing a site visit next week in Columbus to look at two hotels in the convention center. And when I got the, uh, the agenda, a lot, of, a lot of work went into that. And I'm glad my meeting planner didn't have to do all the legwork of that. My third party did. So I just yeah. wanted to communicate that day from a strategic point to association execs. It's harder than ever to communicate value on your meetings for attendance and your association for membership. And you need to get your people working in that realm instead of doing the grunt work that you could have someone like a Mandy doing for you. All right, cool. Yeah. I want to, if I could, Mandy, you have something? You look like you were about to say something. Well, I just was going to build on the contracts pieces. You know, Go we, talk about the contracts, but then I want to ask about exhibitors. So I want to, okay. and before we run out of time, I want to make sure that we have a few minutes to talk about exhibitors. What do you want to say about contracts? Contracts. So Tom, Tom hit the nail on the head. Your time is best spent just like that. Building, building your membership, engaging with your attendees, engaging with your members who have changed, right? But what third-party planners, what we've been doing the last two years, these contract terms have been changing and they're getting deeper and a more of a financial risk for your association than ever before. And we're on top of it. We are on top of it. And one last example before we go to exhibitors, like Tom said, I had, I canceled 202 of my own contracts for my own clients from 2020 to 2022 and only one of my customers paid a cancellation fee. So like you said, Tom, like there, there's power in that, but we're also on top of what those contract terms are and what those nuances are that right. could financially impact your association. So thank right. you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about exhibitors. We are, uh, Propfuel, we're an exhibitor for a lot of conferences and, um, we're certainly asking ourselves, you know, what what's in it for us? Like, what are we going to get out of it, right? Now, a big part of it is the intangible stuff. Like, we get to see existing clients, you know, which is it falls under the retention category. But it's just really nice to see clients that you've never met in person before. We get to see our partners, uh, people that we want to do co-marketing with or maybe have some sort of integration with. And we get to see our friends, which is we've got a lot of friends in this space. Uh, but the biggest reason for us to attend a conference is to find uh, more prospects of mm -hmm. people that it might be clients, right? Yes. And um, what is it, I, I'm trying to figure out my question is, what can a, an association do to make uh, sponsorship or being an exhibitor uh, worthwhile? Like what works in terms of a relationship for, for what's, what's working for exhibitors? I think, uh, is this for Tom or I? No, for you. Should, Everything's for you. Or should we answer I at the exact to Tom same enough. time and see what happens? Okay. No, okay. Tom, I talked to, I hear Tom talking up. I want to hear you okay. talk. Yeah, but you, you go, you go, man, and I'll follow up because I, I definitely, because okay. we just finished doing that process for our trade. Okay. Show. Yeah. I think from an exhibitor standpoint, associations have to look at it holistically. You can't just look at the exhibit hall floor and the trade show booth or a tabletop, right? You have to look at what's in the hallway, what's in the bathroom. I'll give you an example. Montreal, a couple of years ago at PCMA, they were a sponsor for the bathroom. And I got to tell you, 
They killed it. They had French music playing. They had this beautiful That's where traffic is. Yeah, that's where traffic is. And it was right outside the exhibit hall. So you have to think of this holistically, right? And not just the conference. You have to think about leading up to it. What are those opportunities? Coming out of it, what are those opportunities? And it's not just the trade show floor. It's a food and beverage experience. It's you know, what are the flags in downtown Columbus? What are those looking like? What is you land at the airport? What is that signage? There are so many opportunities and association has to look at for everybody because you may get some more exhibitors from an entry level standpoint that might be, you know, lower priced sponsorship, but they may get a lot of bang for their buck. So, um, and, and then meetups, this is a new thing I've been seeing more and more. Have exhibitors or give exhibitors the opportunity to sponsor a meetup. So maybe they've got like the, the, the littlest, cutest little uh, booth or maybe just a tabletop, but you're allowing them the opportunity to, to sponsor a meetup and you're getting, you're going to guarantee you'll get them 20 decision makers to that, you know? So there's a lot of different ways you can do it, but it has to be holistically. Is what well, I've you, been you, well, Tom, before you, you go, um, I, I can tell you right now, we just decided not to participate in a particular conference. Because essentially the option, the options that were left, like our name on a hand sanitizer, like stop it. Like, and in fact, even the signs and flags and banners, I'm not interested in, in advertising. I'm interested in having a conversation with somebody in drawing somebody into, to the point where we can have a conversation about a conversational engagement, a conversation about how they're engaging people to see whether or not there's a fit for what we do with them. And and so, you know, for me, it's about conversation starting activities, mm-hmm. not banners, not signs. That'll go, I'll decline that one every single time as a exhibitor, as a sponsor. So has anything changed since pre-COVID or is it really back to the same game? Well, in terms it's, of it's, exhibitors and sponsorships. It's a little bit of everything. And like you said, Dave, you're interested in that one-on-one conversational. Some exhibitors are interested in that branding visibility. So it's really finding out what they need. But if you're interested in that one-on-one conversation, I would highly recommend association reaching out to you if they're listening right now and, and have you exhibit as a meetup or maybe you sponsor a, um, a what maybe you sponsored 10 attendees or five attendees to come and then you get your pick of the litter to do one-on-one speed dating appointments, you know? So there's, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. It's really coming down to who are your exhibitors and what do they want? Because at any given show, each exhibitor is going to want something different. So if it's a conversational piece, create five to 10 options for them. If it's a branding, you know, type thing and it just visibility, create those types of opportunities for them. And then as an exhibitor, then you have to make the most of it too, right? Because that goes both ways. They can, they can, you know, bring the horse to the water, but they can't make you drink it, right? So once you get that opportunity, then you've got to make the most of that as well. Yeah. So we had it. We 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 pushed our show floor ten feet towards the front door. It used to be a twenty foot entrance, and I saw that as wasted space two years ago. So we moved it closer to ten feet, which created twenty feet of space in the back by like a hundred feet. And it created a place to have tables and chairs for people to sit for a food court. So we created the FNA food court. And I told I, I got an exhibitor to sponsor it because we were going to put um, uh, floor clings. There were arrows that said 
FNA food court sponsored by a blank company and their logo pointing to the back. And it's going to be at the front of every aisle. The first thing you see when you walk in that exposure, they're like, we're all in. They didn't even question the price. You know, mm -hmm. they went all in. So I, I think it's, it's a matter of finding what works for you. You know, here's what I do. I usually give an, a sponsor Dave last show's contract with all the stuff we throw in there. And I go, look, this is what we're going to do, but here's what I want to ask you. What would it take for you to put your name on the contract? Two years ago, one of our exhibitors said, I want to own my, I want to sponsor our aisle. I want our name on our aisles up there. It says sponsored by service combustion. I'm like, done. They said, okay, we'll take it. So what associations are so good at is asking, is selling last year's sponsorship agreements instead of taking last year and say, what would you change on there? What's important mm. to you from an exposure standpoint? Because then when they tell you, you might, well, we can do that. Because there's, I mean, that cost us nothing to put their mm -hmm. name on that sign, but the, we got 15 grand for it but they wouldn't do it unless we gave them the sign. So I think that's a key for associations listening in is, is have conversations with your sponsors to ask them, what is it going to take to put your name on, on that, on that agreement? And they're more apt and, to do that because it's now a collaboration, not just you trying to sell them something. And then Tom, you have, I'm sorry, Dave, you had asked uh, what's changed. I just thought of two things that I've seen different clients do that's changed since coming out of COVID. One was I had a client who um, they had an exhibitor that had never exhibited before. And the exhibitor actually brought the idea to the client and said, can I create an, um, an awards? Can we create some sort of award ceremony? And it wasn't a huge awards dinner. It was a little 20 minute awards presentation sponsored by this exhibitor. Oh, they gave cool. away, they gave away five little awards and they got up on stage and it was in the middle of the exhibit hall. So it actually drove more people to the exhibit hall floor and because they were an exhibitor, then they got to have a VIP reception on the exhibit hall floor, which basically meant the exhibitor sponsored a drink, basically, right. which was which was nothing. And so they got to have the one on one with the winners, pictures with the winners, which was great for social media, tagging, LinkedIn, all that stuff after. So that was an engagement that I saw that was cool. And then something else I've been seeing more and more is um, social media takeovers as a sponsorship opportunity. And that, um, that can be something that happens leading into it, during it, or coming out of it. It's a 24-hour social media takeover. So Dave, for example, like your company would take over Tom's Association Instagram page for 24 hours, and you might post some funny pictures of you and Tom, but you also might post some pictures of people in his association using your product, or you might just post a fun demo or, you know, you playing a guitar, but there's 24 hours of that takeover. And that's fun too. Cause people are like, Oh, what are they going to do next? So those are two things I've seen coming out of COVID that are, that are interesting, interesting. and low cost for exhibitors, quite frankly. All right. So listen, here's the last segment. We're going to wrap this up now, Tom and I, and you'll go last, but Tom and I are, we each want to tell you the, uh, our key takeaway, uh, share with you, like from the conversation, what was one thing that kind of stood out as really interesting. And, um, and then you'll tell us the same thing, either a point that you want to emphasize or something that you heard in the conversation that really struck a chord for you. Tom, why don't you go? You know, so mine is just the biggest takeaway for me is we're in, a, we're, we're in this massive labor drought and you need to be open to third party planners like Mandy. There's a host of them out there and bring them on your team. They're paid for by the hotels inside the rates they negotiate. It doesn't cost you anything. It's like a realtor contract. So that's my big takeaway. I was excited to hear Mandy was a third party because I don't think they get enough presence and enough um, uh, support from association execs that use them because they do offer us great value. So use a third party if you, if you can. 
for me, I don't know that this is necessarily the most um, surprise. Okay, so it's probably not the most surprising. I, just because of the business I'm in, I really love the idea of um, engaging members through questions. And and I know of, of, it's it's almost like a duh. If you know me and you know what I do, of course that's going to be a key takeaway for me here. But I, I can think of a of, of dozens of questions I think that could make the experience for that individual better and could provide insight for the association and what they how could they could shape the associate uh, the conference better so I really I, I, I'd love to chew on that a little bit more uh, but anyway that that's the key takeaway for me is what could we ask people to gain insight and engage them better at the conference all right, man, M Mandy, what do you, what do you think? I love it. Well, your attendees have changed and your exhibitors have changed and I double dog dare you to throw away the playbook and try something new and really listen to who your attendees and who your exhibitors are now. Just really listen. Their voices have changed and they've mm. got a lot to say. Mandy Graziano. Yeah, uh, it's M-A-D-I-G-R-A-Z-I-A-N-O. Mandy, uh, what's the best way for people to reach you? Uh, they can Google me, Mandy Graziano. Uh, go to my website, mandygraziano.com. Uh, hunt me down on LinkedIn. I'm active on LinkedIn, Instagram, all the things. Or um, email me anytime, mgraziano at hpnglobal.com. Thank you so much, Mandy. Good one, Tom. Dave, we're Thanks not gonna, for having we're not gonna me. Wait, we're not going to let the cobwebs grow back before we get back on this thing next time. <laughs> Let's do it again tomorrow. We hope you gain some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorrison.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.